Fantastic. Well, I'm happy you're here this morning. Happy Canada Day. I'm glad you are here, and all of our kids are here with us today, too. So, kids, if you want to listen today, you can. You can keep coloring. We're glad you're here today. We're going to have a lot of fun after our service. We're going to have a little carnival. We're going to move this back. We have uh, uh, Lindsay and Stephen have planned a carnival for all the kiddos. We're going to have, uh, I don't know what kind of chicken it is. I think it's like barbecue chicken something outside and food, and we're going to hang out. So we invite you to stay with us for a little bit. I think we'll be done around 12, 1230 or so. So you're free to uh, hang out here, have some free food, uh, hang out with one another. And then uh, right afterwards, you're welcome to head out and go upon your day. But we're glad you're here today. So happy Canada Day. And uh, we're just going to get into the message today right away, if we can. And then when I'm done uh, speaking, we're gonna just going to sing one more song uh, and just uh, as a way to kind of end our time together. We started a two-week series. This is our second week called uh, So Be Free. Hey, sweetheart, would you do me a favor? Could you just pick that up and put that up there for me? I want James to be my friend by the end of the service. Fantastic. We started a series uh, last week called So Be Free. And the idea of, obviously, today we celebrate our freedom. Um, I was made fun of today because I look like an American with my white shoes, my blue pants, and my red shirt. And that's because I am American, and I wanted to represent the United States, but I also, Stephanie told me today, you got to wear this red shirt because I don't own a red shirt. And so she uh, wired this for me this morning and brought this, so I want to represent Canada. So come on, let's just say, let's just, let's just, on the count of three, let's just say, happy Canada Day, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. Fantastic. I hope it's a great day. But we've been in a So Be Free last two days, and it's been great, or last uh, Sunday and this Sunday. And last week, I got lots and lots of feedback from that message. Um, it's obviously a topic of conversation for people to figure out about freedom in their life. As we talked about last week, freedom is something that we've wanted uh, generations upon generations have desired for freedom. Every one of us experienced some sort of bondage in our life, some sort of chain in our life, some sort of challenge in our life that we just can't seem to overcome. We just can't seem to break through. We just can't seem to conquer. Every one of us in this room could probably say that we experience some sort of bondage in our lives. And the statement I wanted to kind of share with you uh, this morning is that our freedoms are overshadowed by the enslavements of our lives. So what is the enslavement of your life? What's the challenge in your life? What's the bondage in your life? It, it could be lots of different things. It could be uh, fear, or guilt, or shame, or worry, or anxiety, or depression, unforgiveness, bitterness, or insecurity, financial bondage, alcohol, drugs, pornography, food addiction, prejudice, or racism, poor self-image, deep regret, or failures of the past. What is your chain in your life? What's the thing you deal with? What's the thing you have in your heart and your mind that you've been trying to break free, uh, free from for so long in your life? It's important that you know this morning that Jesus came to bring you freedom. 700 years before Jesus walked on the planet, a man named Isaiah wrote this down in a book, and he prophesied about Jesus Christ. 700 years later, Jesus came to the earth. He was water baptized. He was filled with the Spirit. He walked into church on Sunday, opened up his Bible to Isaiah, and he spoke these words. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. God brought me to here that I might proclaim freedom for the prisoners, that I might set the oppressed free. He also said this in John chapter 8. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if the sun sets you free, 
you are truly free, completely free, absolutely free. But if we're so free, why are so many of us still in bondage? We're so free, why do so many of us deal with so many difficult things? Why do we have financial freedom, but at the same time carry the chains of depression and anxiety? Why do we have walk in the freedom of marriage, but we, maybe we have a sexual addiction? Why is it that we, we have freedom of having a great career and a beautiful family, but of the chain of drug addiction? Or why? Why is there freedom of gifting and talent and vision for our life? But every time we step out towards that, insecurity, shame, and guilt overcomes us. Why is it that even though Jesus set us free, we are still wrapped up in bondage in our life? And last week we talked about two things. Three kind of concepts or three ideas or three uh, things about freedom. Just by way of uh, review, I, I shared firstly that freedom is an encounter. Freedom is something that happens when you're in the presence of God, when you experience a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you're in a moment with him where you have a moment. I, I, I could probably go around the room today for those who are followers of God, and I could talk to you about the time when you were in that church service or driving in that car or in that foreign country or wherever you were, and you had a moment where God impacted your life. You had a moment where God spoke to you. Galatians 5, 1 on the screen says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in, by the slavery to the law. Romans 10, 10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So there's a moment where you have faith in your heart, you declare with your mouth. There's a moment, it's an encounter with God where something transforms your life. Now, I cannot create this moment for you. I can't say, hey, if you buy my holy water, you're going to have an experience with God. I can't say to you, if you send me five easy installments of $9.99 a month, you're going to experience God's blessing. I can't even say that if you come up here today and I pray for you, that you're going to have that encounter with God. You actually have to create space. You have to position yourself to experience God in that way. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have prayer nights twice a month. That's why we have worship. That's why we have Sunday gatherings. So that you can come and say, okay, I want to have an encounter with the Most High God. And I, from experience, can tell you that in that atmosphere, when I'm with God, when I position myself, when I make myself available, God has come and transformed my life like never before. We have to create space. We have to position ourselves to encounter God. When we position ourselves, God will come and he will minister to your life. The second thought here that from last week is that it's a choice. Freedom is a choice. Look at this. It says, now make sure that you stay free. Make sure you stay free. Often we get uh, become a follower of God and we get water baptized and we experience him. And then we wonder why we kind of fall back into our old lifestyle, or why we still struggle. It's actually our responsibility to choose to stay free. Did you know that word free in the Greek actually means a freedom to choose, the power to choose. That's what that means. That word means that when you experience God, you now have to make a decision that I have the ability to choose God. I have the ability to choose between this and that. It becomes a choice. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 3.16. 
whatever, uh, when, but whenever someone turns to the Lord. It doesn't say whenever God turns someone. It says whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Look at this in Romans 6.16. Look, look, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to a righteous living. So again, if I've been set free, why am I still in chains? The reality is this. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, he changes your spiritual man, your, your spirit man, the spirit woman, the person on the inside of you. He transforms you instantly, but your physical side is not changed yet. And so you have to realize something that your spirit man has been transformed, your inside has been transformed, but your outside, your natural man has not yet. And it takes years, sometimes years, to learn the ability to choose God over choosing myself. Freedom becomes a decision in your life. And we'll talk about that at the very end. A decision in your life to say, I'm going to choose this rather than this. Now the third thought here today, which is the one we haven't talked about yet. Freedom is a journey. Galatians 5.1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again. Listen, freedom is a journey. Now I want to tell you something. I hate spiders. I hate spiders so much. Now my, my son and my daughter know this. Kids, don't I hate spiders? When I was a kid, I used to have this, this house on Thompson Street. And my parents gave me the biggest, the biggest room in the house. And this room was next to a little attic, walk-in attic. And it had fir trees over the top of it. And so there were spiders, maybe, maybe like a spider a week in my room. And so whenever I was in the room, I would bravely go over and, uh, and get my dad to kill the spider. No, I'm just kidding. I would bravely go stand on a chair, and I would smash the spider, and I'd leave the guts in the corner. And guess what I would do? I would pack a bag, I'd grab my blankets, and I'd move out of my room for three days. And I would go live in the room next door because I was so afraid that his brothers and sisters were going to come seek revenge on me. And there would be a doorway. What I would do is, is the door to my room, in order for me to get in there, I would run as fast as I could through the door for fear that a spider would drop on my head on the way in. Literally, this is true. Three days of my life, uh, every time there was a spider, I would move out of my room. I had such fear. I remember when I was on a mission ship in Mexico, and some really smart person thought it would be a good idea to put a tarantula on my shoulder. Put a tarantula on my shoulder. Now, me even typing the word tarantula on my notes today made me queasy because I had to autocorrect it. And it was like, then pictures came up when I was autocorrecting it in Google, and I was like, no! Someone put a tarantula on my shoulder. I'll never forget. I ripped my shirt off. I took my clothes off, standing there in my underwear, and I ran around a block five times thinking that spider was on me, and I was freaking out. Remember one time I went to a youth camp. I was uh, with the speaker, and they put us in this room where there was insects everywhere. And I remember getting in my bed and laying there in this, in this sleeping bag, and there was big spiders in all four corners of the bed. And so what I did was I got down deep into my sleeping bag, and I zipped the sleeping bag all the way to the top, and they cranked the heat because it was really cold. I was sweating buckets inside that sleeping bag, but I thought to myself, I am never coming out until I see the light of day. I didn't sleep one week that night. I probably lost 16 pounds. It was, like, terrible. They find me, Ryan, it's daytime. You can come out now. They come out. It smells terrible. It's, like, sweaty. It's gross. It was 
a terrible experience because I hate spiders. This morning, I came in from, uh, from San Francisco last night at around 2 a.m. My wife picked me up at the airport, and I was up around 5 a.m. this morning, getting ready for this morning and praying. And really early, I'm really tired. I swung my feet out of bed under the cold tile. And as I got up to walk like a zombie to the door, something shot across in front of me. And I knew it was a spider. And I looked down and I grabbed my phone, you know, with the light on your phone. I'm searching for this little demonic little creature. Because Satan created spiders. Just kidding. I don't believe that, but it is a joke. And tomatoes and cats, but whatever. Um, and he takes this light and I flash it down. There's this little spider in the corner next to the fan. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to let you live in my house. There's no way I'm going to let you live in my bedroom. I got to kill this thing. So I took the fan and I tried to smash it with the fan, but I missed. So now he's making a beeline for underneath my bed. And I thought to myself, this is not happening. You are not going to go live underneath my bed. And so I took my foot and I stepped on it with my bare foot. I felt its body crunch under the bottom of my foot. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever done in my entire life. That was a journey for me. I went from not living in my room for a week because I saw a spider in the corner to smashing a huge, massive spider. It was bigger than my face in my mind with my foot. That was a journey. It took me time to be able to recognize that I have the power to overcome this tiny little spider and that it's just a house spider in Calgary and it's not going to kill me and it's not going to hurt me. And I wiped the guts off the bottom of my foot and I took it and I threw it in the toilet and I said, yes! Freedom! It's a journey. Sometimes freedom takes a while. Freedom starts off like a small little path like this, and you're navigating through the, the, the forest trying to find your way, and then eventually you find a little bit of a broader path, and things begin to make more sense, and then you find kind of a paved highway, and then you find directions on the street and the road, and you begin to see things more clearly, and then you come into the big kind of way of life and the community. Things are making more sense, and freedom's more, more common and more real. You begin to experience what God wanted for your life. When you accept Jesus Christ, you don't just change immediately. It's a journey. So you need to give yourself a break. I just want to say this. I felt so strongly to share this today, that you just need to give yourself a break. Take it easy. Calm down. It's going to be okay. I know you might think that you're a big failure. I know you might think, man, why can't I overcome this anxiety? Or why can't I overcome this marriage problem? Or why can't I overcome this, this addiction I have? Or why do I always feel this way? And you get so hard on yourself. Give yourself a break. We all fall short. You're not going to figure it out overnight. Do you think that God is shocked at your humanity? Do you think God looks at you and thinks, oh, I didn't expect that to happen? Whoop, didn't think Ryan was going to think that way. Whoop, didn't think Ryan was going to have that bad attitude. You cannot shock God. Do you think that you can out-trick him in your behavior and your attitudes? He knows exactly who you are, and he loves you just the way you are. Take it easy. Relax. Now, am I saying that we should just live under grace and... Like the scripture says right here, I guess I don't have the scripture on here, but God is not shocked at your humanity. In Jeremiah 29, 11, this is an amazing verse. 
It says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Do you know when God, when Jeremiah wrote that down? The people of Israel were in Babylon. They had rejected God and been taken captive. And they were in, literally in chains, in destitution. They had been taken captive. And here they are living in this foreign land, living in bondage. And God wrote this verse about them while they were covered in chains. He says, I have a plan for you. I've got a future for your life. I've got a hope for your life. I know this thing is big. I know this challenge is large. I know you can't seem to get past this thought in your spiritual maturity or your walk with God. Or maybe you're not even sure you're a Christian. Or maybe you're not a Christian. You're like, I just can't seem to get there. It's okay. God has a plan for your life. You've got to know something this morning that this was not meant to be done individually. God expects us to do this in community. Look at this verse in Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Many followers of Jesus Christ, many people try to do this alone. They try to become a Christian alone. They try to experience freedom alone. They try to do it in isolation. And you have to hear what I'm saying to you today. You cannot serve Jesus Christ alone. You were intended to be in a community of people and to do it together. That word carry there actually means to take with your hands, to, to carry a heavy burden of someone else. The word weight there, or the burden, I'm sorry, burden means heaviness, weight, burden, trouble, extreme, something like poverty in your life. Look what it says. By this you will fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love God, love people. You say, Ryan, I want to I serve the Lord. I want to serve God. Okay, number one, you've got to get into the community of God. You've got to get into a small group. You've got to be a part of Sunday gatherings. You've got to engage with other followers of Jesus Christ. A men's uh, prayer group every uh, first and third uh, Thursday morning. And our prayer groups are on first and third Wednesday. And all the different times we have these things. You've got to be around the community of God. You cannot do this alone. And in that way, you actually fulfill the law of Jesus Christ by learning to love God and learning to love other people. There was a study done back in the 1970s at Paul Fraser University in BC. And they took uh, these several rats, about 50 rats, 20 rats, I'm sorry, and they fed them morphine for 52 days straight. They got them addicted to morphine, and then they took these rats and they, they put them in this colony, something like this. And the colony had male and female, and it was about 20 rats, and they had balls and wheels and games, and they put kind of like foliage around it. And it felt like a like, like a mahogany. It felt like, you know, like a new development for rats. And then what they did is they took two drinking things, and they gave one of them tap water, and one of them was tap water laced with morphine. Statistically, by all those rats, by watching them and documenting them, 98% of times those rats took the water, they chose the tap water over the morphine. 
Because when you're in community, when you're around people, you're able to bear one another's burdens, identify where you're addicted, identify where you have heaviness, identify where you're lonely, identify where you're broken, identify the areas in your life where you're trying to do it alone, and statistically and scientifically it's proven that you do better with other people with you. They stuck those same rats after his, uh, different rats in an isolation same thing, and they put them in the same uh, single rat in a cage with tap water and morphine, and the rats died within two days because all they did was overdose on morphine. You were intended to do this in community. You were intended to do this together. I want to end on this this morning. I want to bring the three thoughts together. As we ended our time last week, we talked about the idea of God's people. They're called the people of Israel. And all these were, were a group of people that God really loved. They were actually the Jewish nation, the Jewish race. And at the time, back in the day in Exodus, God had a deep desire for his people because they had been in bondage. They had been in slavery. His people were in bondage, and he wanted to break them free. So he sent a man named Moses to them, and Moses finally was able to liberate the people of God out of Egypt. And here they are standing before the Red Sea. And as they stand before the Red Sea, the Egyptians were coming right behind them, on their heels coming. And here's the Red Sea, and God spoke to Moses. And God said to Moses very, very clearly, he said in the scripture in Exodus 14, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So what God was saying is this. Guys, listen. When you choose to leave that old way of life, when you choose to serve God, you're going to have certain Egyptians in your life that you will never see again. You'll have a moment with God where he will transform your life forever. You have a second with the Creator, a second with the Holy Spirit. When you create opportunity to meet God, He comes and He ministers to you, and He changes you, and He transforms you. You have this moment where God says, listen, you're never going to see that Egyptian again. And what did Moses do? He tapped the, the, the water with his stick, and the Red Sea went up in the air, and they crossed along dry ground, and the Egyptians went into the dry ground as well, and the water crashed down upon them, and they completely obliterated, and the people of Israel never saw the Egyptians again. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life. But then they went into the, the desert. And as you know from last week, they journeyed for two years and they stood at the very edge of their promised land. They stood at the very edge of what God had for them. And they had to choose, am I going to go against these giants? So even though when you encounter God, he's going to change things in your life. He'll give you freedom. He'll transform you. But you will always have giants in your life that you have to choose to stand against. And at that moment, they decided not to do that. For 38 years, they wandered in the desert. They just would have walked into the promised land. They spent their entire life, listen, they spent their entire life being a follower of God, but being in bondage. 38 years later, many of the people had died in the wilderness. They stood again at the very same place. They stood at the very edge of the promised land. The, water was here and they were looking at the Canaan. It was called Canaan, the promised land. It was the land that God had for them. It was the future God had for them. It was the life that God had for them. It was something great God had for them. And all they had to do was have a decision that I'm going to go into this land. And what they saw was this massive structure called Jericho. Jericho was, walls were 20 feet thick. 
And then they had a barrier around it in between it, and then another 20 feet, and it was 90 feet high. It was a fortress that was impenetrable. But the Bible says about it in Joshua chapter 6, 1, it says very clearly, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one came out. And here they are, 40 years after they were supposed to walk in. They had had an encounter with God that got them across the Red Sea. They had an opportunity to choose to go against their giant, but they decided not to. So they wandered their entire life in bondage until finally, here they stand, another opportunity, standing before this massive, impenetrable fortress that stands between them and what God has for them. They have to make a decision. Am I going to trust that God can do this in my life? Am I going to trust that God is choosing right now for me to break this bondage in my life? Look what the scripture says. Joshua 6, 2 and 3. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Along with its kings and its fighting men, march around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone will go straight in. Here we stand with Joshua. He has to make a decision. Am I going to obey God's word? Notice something about this scripture. It does not tell Joshua to march around that Jericho by himself. Notice what it says. With all the armed men. When, we have, when you hear them sound a long blast of trumpets, have the who? The whole army. It took a journey for them to get around six days, seven days. They walked around Jericho together as a community in life together, in small groups on Sunday mornings, in our pursue nights, in our Bible studies, walking together in relationship and doing life together and eating together and praying for one another and carrying one another burdens in an alpha and youth alpha, doing it together for six days, six days, six days. And then the entire army on that seventh day begin to believe that God can break this giant my life once and for all and together joined with one another they picked up each other's burden and they began to shout and the bible says the walls of jericho came tumbling down that would not have happened if joshua tried to do that by himself joshua would have walked around that wall seven times and he would have shouted at the top of his lungs i want freedom and nothing would have happened because God commands you and expects you and wants you to do it in community together because it's a journey of life. Don't try to do this alone. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, don't do that alone. If you're here today and you've been a Christian your whole life, don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. If you want to see bondages broken in your life, I am somebody who can attest to the power. I remember standing in a small group. I've gone to this small group for years. And I remember the very first time I raised my hand and I, and I made a confession of sin that I dealt with my entire life. I'm telling you, when I raised my hand, I was the only one in a room of 50 men who said, I struggle with this addiction. And guess what? 98% of the men in the room said, so do I. So do I. So do I. The leader of the group, man, I've been struggling too. 
Something happened that day. I still talk to those men. They say, Ryan, I remember the day when God changed my life. I remember the day when God broke that addiction in my life. I remember that day when God transformed me. It was in a moment when men were together in unity, carrying one another's burdens, believing that the walls of Jericho, that addiction, of that anxiety, of that fear, of that doubt, of that marriage trouble, that finance struggle, will come tumbling down. But you got to do it together. That's why we're here. We're here to journey with each other. Love City Church is not just a church that wants to be here because we're here. Look at us. We have a church and look at all this amazing building and these cool lights. And we're not here for me or my preaching abilities. Or We're not here because we had nothing else to do. We're here because we're trying to build a community of people that say we're going to do life together. We're going to see the Jericho's in our life come down. We're going to see the Jerichos in this city come down. We're going to see the Jerichos in people's lives come down. We're going to be able to walk down the street and say, hey, you're doing this alone. Join the journey with us and let's see the Jericho walls come down in your life. That's what God intends for us. Would you stand up here this morning? I want to just pray and then we're going to sing one last song. Would you please just close your eyes for me for a moment? I just want to pray for three, three people here this morning. First person I want to pray for today is the first, the first point. Maybe you're here today and you've never had an encounter with God. You've never experienced God. Now, I can't fabricate that for you, but you can position yourself during our time of worship today. And we believe that God could do something significant in your life. But if you're here today, you say, Ryan, you know what? I've never encountered God, and I would like to make a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to ask him into my heart. I want to I give my life to God today. I want to go on that journey with him. Come on, would you raise your hand today? I want to see your hand. If you say, man, I want to accept Jesus Christ into my heart today. Come on, anybody here today, raise your hand. Come on, let me pray for you right now. Would you just pray with me right now, church? I'm going to pray, and I want you to agree in your heart. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And, Father, we believe right now, Lord, that you, you can come right now, Father, and take care of every struggle. Lord, I, we need you in our life, God. We want you to come right now and take over our entire life and help us overcome these obstacles and these chains in our lives. Lord, we ask you to come right now and cause there to be an encounter in our heart. Come on, the second person here today who has some giants in your life, and you just thought that maybe if you became a Christian, everything, everything would get better, but you need the strength and the courage today to make a decision that I'm going to fight these giants. Come on, right now, Father, I pray for those people. I pray in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, that they would get back up. They'd give themselves a break. They'd recognize that, Father, Lord, this is hard. And, Lord, you're not shocked by our humanity. And I pray right now that you would give them fresh faith, fresh courage to stand up against these things in their lives in the name of Jesus Christ. And lastly, Lord, we pray for those in the room who are alone. Those in the room who are not a part of a body. Those in the room who are not a part of a family. Those in the room who've been isolating themselves. This is exactly what the enemy of your life wants to do. He wants to isolate you, get you alone, get you angry, get you by yourself, get you isolated. That is the strategy of the devil. Right now, Lord, we just come against the strategies of the enemy when it comes to isolating people. And we pray that right now, Holy Spirit, you would come and you would cause all the fear of relationship 
Those in the room who are afraid to engage in relationship for fear that someone would see their weakness or their sin or their vulnerability today, God, I pray right now you would break down that fear. Well, they've been hurt in the past because relationships have taken advantage of them or they've done something that they can't be trusted. And I pray right now, God, for those people in the room who are doing this alone, Lord, that during our last song today, God, you would just begin to heal their heart. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's sing this song together again. Come on, every voice in the room, let's sing together. You give life. You are love. 